Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Rational fear contains strong, coarse language and traces of nuts. FBI Radio recommends listening by an immature audience. Tonight, Facebook downgrades its profit projections. Mark Zuckerberg loses $16 billion in personal wealth in one day, leaving him only $77 billion to think about how he's ruined the world. And Pakistan voted in Imran Khan as their new Prime Minister. Australians are coming to terms with the idea that they are mere moments away from Prime Minister Shane Warne. Sean Spicer says that Donald Trump will definitely win a second term. Judging from what Sean Spicer has said in the past, this can only mean that Donald Trump will definitely not win a second term. This is a rational fear! Oh, very good. Hey, Welcome to Irrational Fear. It's very exciting to be here. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Now, some say our first fear monger is the Lauren Southern of this panel, mainly because he sits on the far right. Uh, others say he's the Lauren Southern of this panel because he's perfected the art of confusing bullshit. Uh, it's Lewis Hopper, everybody. <laughs> Lewis Hopper, why are people saying you're the Lauren Southern of this panel? Does everyone know Lauren Southern? Are you familiar with the alt-right YouTuber Lauren Southern? It's basically, she's, like, her profile pic, like, the, to get a vision of her, is, like, American headband, blonde, two AK-47s. <laughs> like, that's her vibe. And I think that's pretty obviously my vibe. <laughs> no, also, older white people inherently trust me, which I think is similar to her. <laughs> Lewis will be available to walk you across the park to Central Station a little later on tonight. Next is a woman so brave to sit with her mum for hours and unpack years of childhood trauma and worse, record it and put it on the internet for everyone to hear. It's Rosie Waterland. <laughs> now, Rosie, in, in, the, in your podcast, My Mum Says My Memoir is a Lie, did you actually learn anything about your mum? Um, I learnt... This is, oh, this is a juicy tidbit that'll get you to listen. She was a sex worker when I was young, and that's not even the juicy part. She had a client who, um, it, it's not that she won't name him, it's that she can't remember his name, who was so high up in the US government that when he was visiting here for the Australian centen centenary, I think, in the 80s? Bicentenary. Bicentenary? Yeah. He took my mum on a tour of Air Force One. No way! <laughs> She just casually mentioned it. Oh, yes, one of my clients in Sydney in 1988, Air Force One. And I was like, say what now? Wow. What, Mama Lisa? So, uh, If I had a child, that'd be the first thing I'd say as soon well, as they're out of the womb. You didn't know, I've been on Air Force One. Till a few months ago. So, uh, yeah, if that's not a plug for Mum Says My Memoir is a Lie on Apple Podcasts right now, then <laughs> I don't know what it is. Excellent. Who's, have you heard it? Is that, and did you like it? It was fabulous. It was oh, fabulous. Thank you so much. Oh. Bloody, did you leave a review on iTunes? Sorry? Did you leave a review on iTunes? I should. I should. <laughs> Thanks for all your support. <laughs> my mum was actually going to come tonight, but she's too scared to drive at night. That's okay. My mum here. My mum's here. She's I in the know. front row. Miss Dillich is here. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> she's not on the panel, guys. Um, <laughs> Our next fearmonger's work I only knew through the screen of my phone while I'm going to the toilet. Uh, so I thought, hey, you know, this guy's piss funny. Why not invite him on stage? Direct from Instagram HQ, it is Shrufus. This is great. You know, I've had comedians email me going, you know, it's pretty weird, Dan, that this is the, I think this is the first time I've ever seen a lineup where someone's been credited as being from Instagram. <laughs> Do you get recognised in the street a lot? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. It happens more, more than I thought it would. Um, but the first time it ever happened, I was at a music festival and it was one of those kind of skatey punk music festivals. So you can kind of imagine the clientele and I was doing a bit of live art and this girl comes up to me and she's so excited. She goes, oh my God. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, are you the singer of the Dune Rats? <laughs> and were you like, 
Yes. <laughs> you do have to be careful. Six pack, baby. <laughs> you do have to be careful. I, I used to sell Macs a long time ago, like 12 years ago, Apple, Apple computers 12 years ago. And I went to the Apple store recently in Bondi with my laptop to get fixed. And uh, the genius was like, hey, I, I think I think I recognise, I think I recognise you. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I've done, a, I've done a bit of television. <laughs> Did you used to sell Apple computers in Borkham Hills? Or... <laughs> also, Apple retail, very long career, very long career, Apple retail. Uh, excellent. Our next fearmonger has had quite the incredible year. Uh, from hosting Eurovision to the feed on SBS to being a panellist on the project, she's erudite and full of fight. It's Jan Fran! Now, you're at the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you are at the mid-year Walkleys. What was it like to lose a Walkley? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think it's just good preparation for the rest of my life, Dan. <laughs> That's what I'm expecting to happen. I was trying to have, like, a, a poker face, but anybody who knows me knows that my poker face is just absolute trash. And so when they called out, like, the winner's names, I was like, you, Harkin. Oh! Who did? Who beat you? Who beat you? Well, actually, she, it, it was a very worthy win. It was Jane Caro, God bless her. Oh, and I was, sort, I, was, I was sort of rooting. <laughs> I love her. Jan Fran's got I a five-minute like... rant on Jane Caro. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's who I'm talking about this, so that, that'll be fun. And when you lose a Walkley, this is the calibre of event. I'll <laughs> <laughs> have you well, know, you know a just... rational fear lost a Walkley a few years ago. It was a highlight of our career, actually. This panel is the highlight of my career, Dan. I want you to know that. Not Thank... the project, not the drum, not the feed, not Sky News, which I'm also a regular panelist on. <laughs> <laughs> Every second Tuesday. No get... one here can afford pay TV, Jen. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> we don't hang around in the Qantas lounge, babe. <laughs> Oh, that's why, that's why your book for this show, I saw your satire on Sky News and said, you're going to come and do this show. All right, let's kick it off. Uh, my name's Dan Ellick and this is Irrational Fear, recorded live at Giant Dwarf in Sydney. This is the show that tells you what you should actually be scared about. Now, our top three fears of the month. Fear number three. It's the perennial favourite, Donald Trump. Now, in a bid to distract from problems at home, the FBI investigation, the secret Cohen tapes, the federal emoluments ruling, kids locked in cages, the upcoming midterms, how low his approval rating is, the departure of department secretaries, the disendorsement of his own intelligence agencies, a failed meeting with Vladimir Putin and Melania watching CNN. <laughs> It appears that this month uh, hasn't been very good to Donald Trump. In fact, he's, he's pretty much almost declared war on Iran over Twitter. Uh, now, what was the greater crime here, folks? Was it declaring war over social media or was it that the tweet was in all caps? <laughs> I think it was the fact he didn't tag him in it. <laughs> Worse. Super soft. It would have been. It'd be great if instead of over Twitter, he tried to start a war over LinkedIn, because then it just yes. just would have been ignored. Yes. Then you Donald don't Trump have... would like to start a war with you. Oh, fuck off with this email again, Donald. Ignore. You don't even have I'm to not... tag them on Twitter. People just see you've been creeping. So you know, around just subtweeting. Like... Maybe I'd like to start a war with someone. Don't know who. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now. What do you think, you know, is the biggest thing that Donald Trump is trying to obfuscate here? I read our long list before, but is there something else that he's trying to hide? I basically think he's trying to make sure that everybody forgets that there is a tape of him whizzing on a hooker. <laughs> yes! That's what I think. I always say, because... I get all my news from the Daily Mail, so to me, it's P-tape, P-tape, P-tape. But then my partner's all like, oh, but he's in lots of debt and he got it from Russia and blah, 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 facts. And I'm like, P-tape! <laughs> it's the P-tape. Coming soon to Netflix. Yes. At what, po what point, like, how bad does it have to get um, before the P-tape becomes, like, a distraction? Like, he's like, uh, you know, he's like, like, he's got it in the back pocket and they're like, the, the FBI is literally at your door. Release the P-tape. <laughs> When he's actually talking about the nuclear option, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> he's talking about releasing the P-tape. Uh, now, starting wars have kind of been in vogue for presidents to kind of hide things throughout their, 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 uh, their, their administrations. It's so derivative. You know, Clinton, Bush, Bush, Clinton. They, they all love it. They all love it. Is there a better way to hide domestic issues than a war? Yeah, Release just get the P-tape. <laughs> Just get Melania to wear a jacket of whatever domestic issue you want to be in the news that way. Yeah. 
That's right. Now, in response to this saber rattling, the uh, general of Iran said, we are near you, closer than you think. Come, we are ready. We are ready. We will destroy all you possess. This is, very, this is very much fighting words. I have to say, while I was reading that, I was very distracted because Rosie was getting a glass of champagne. <laughs> I'm sorry, I motioned to my friend two minutes ago, more wine. <laughs> and I thought, we're on a podcast dance, so no one will have to know. Well, I, I, got, I got distracted, <laughs> and I want some wine. Um, so the Iran general said, we are near you, closer than you think. Come, we're ready. We'll destroy all that you possess. What do you reckon Iran's first target is going to be in America? Florida, <laughs> for sure. One, everybody wants it gone to. It's already sinking on account of climate change. Like, it's an easy target. Go straight America's to Florida. penis. <laughs> I reckon uh, they should think outside the box. If I was Iran and uh, if I was being threatened by a global superpower... I think I'd kind of go back to the root like a psychologist think, when was the last time I was a global superpower? 300 BC. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would bomb, yes, the statue of Alexander the Great. <laughs> all right, fear number two, my health record. It's a digital shoebox where all your medical records are going to be indiscriminately vacuumed up and stored in some kind of folder on the internet. Imagine it as like the downloads folder for your health records, just a bunch of random x-rays and prescriptions and diagnoses chucked in there. But it, it's so that if you ever need medical help uh, away from your regular doctor, other, other people will be able to help and fix you up. Now, your new doc can take the records, check it out, and find get a good context for who you are medically. It's kind of like reverse WebMD, except uh, the doctor Googles you. Um, uh, by the way, if your doctor ever Googles you, that's probably actually a Sasha Baron Cohen character. It's probably not actually a real doctor. Does that mean um, it's always cancer as well? It's like, oh, oh, shit, he's got it. <laughs> but people are angry. People are really angry about this because um, the government, government has made it an opt-out system where you actually have to tell the government that you want to leave the system rather than an opt-in system that we're used to with corporations. Why should we care about this? Do you care about it? Are you in or are you out? Well, I'm in because everybody's in and you have to opt out, but I hate paperwork so much that I would just rather everyone know about my intermittent thrush and not give a fuck. <laughs> no, that's If you so don't know, now you know. You know what I'm saying? Because who's grown up enough to have one doctor? Like, I just go to the medical centre, whoever's first available, that's who I see. I just need them all to have access to the set, my, all my shit in one place. Right. You know, I'm glad you said that because every time they say, oh, do you have a doctor? And I say, no, I just hear this audible pause of them being like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have a dad. <laughs> I think. He went out to get some cigarettes. He's going to be back any moment. WebMD said it was cancer. Do you want to know that I left my doctor because he fucking Googled me. No. Wow. So I was in the doctor's surgery. Well, so you want to do a Sasha Baron Cohen, that is my doctor. Do not go to Dr. John. I'm not, I'm not going to say where I, he's from. <laughs> His name is Dr. John. Okay. I, Could I be anyone. Could I've, be Dr. John Darcy from Channel 7. Who knows? <laughs> I, went, I went to uh, a doctor recently for um, an annual sexual health checkup. But did you have um, thrush? Um, it was just to make sure everything was still all clear. Still all clear. Still all clear, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's going to be the biggest cheer I get all night. <laughs> or for the rest of my life. Um, uh, but yeah, as I went in to get the results, the doctor sat down and he like shuffled the paper. I'm like, fuck, pretty nervous. And he goes, oh, by the way, Lewis, how are the ratings at the moment? <laughs> Well, fucking not good. How's this going? Um, now, we, most of us use and are kind of reliant on cloud storage for lots of different things. Many of us have our photos, our music, and just random files. What's, like, the weirdest thing you've got stored on your cloud storage? Okay, so everyone's terrified of naked photos on their cloud storage because it's happened, the fappening happened to all the celebrities. That's right, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence, what's, Hermione, all of those girls all had their <laughs> naked photos released. I don't really have any sexy naked photos on my phone. I do have... Them on Instagram and you can follow Rosie. <laughs> no, Instagram deleted it. Um, oh. And Twitter banned me for a long time and treated me like a sex criminal. But um, <laughs> I do have a lot of, and I know there are other women in the room who've done this, a lot of close-up shots of the back of my head when I'm scared I'm going bald. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> a lot of close-up shots of the, yeah my of when I think I have thinning hair, and also a lot of super close-up shots of my bits. But you wouldn't be able to tell what it is just because if I think I feel something weird down there, and I have too big a gut to look at it myself, so I need my phone to be like, what's happening? And so like all the photos on my cloud are kind of. Well, indiscernible? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are screenshots from Google Earth, I swear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They could be. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to be the first to admit, and I don't know if anybody else in the audience is like this as well, but I have no fucking idea what the cloud is. And the, Right? And we're, yeah, you're nodding. and just like, yeah. And I do reports on the cloud. I'm like, yeah, the cloud. I don't know what it is, is. but I know that all my photos are in it. That's exactly what I know too. But the other day I was on, I was on like the, like in the deep annals of Google Docs and I found the last script from the last irrational fear that I did, which was like six and a half years ago. And it was trash. (laughs) And that's why you weren't invited back for six and a half years. I did find a, I found a joke that I wrote in like 2012. This 22nd of November 2012, I found this file. It's called Scientists Say That by TXT. And it only had like 10 words. And it said, Scientists say that by the year 2014, Australia will reach peak pie face. I wrote that as a joke. <laughs> but that's actually true. <laughs> pie face has disappeared. <laughs> I'm actually so pressured. I should go into economics journalism. <laughs> All right, fear number one. There could be water on Mars. The Italian space agency said that their satellite's latest data from Mars suggested there could be a 20-kilometre-wide lake under an ice cap near the south pole of Mars. Now, it could be water, or it could be carbon dioxide, or it could be Don Burke. No one knows. <laughs> but there are so many water stories in Mars that, you know, we always get excited about water stories on Mars. Um, but the reason why I found this one interesting is that um, it was actually discovered by the Italian Space Agency. I had no idea that Italy had a space agency. And, of course, they'd really only be interested in the water if it was carbonated, probably. Yeah. That's probably... <laughs> Frizzante. <laughs> um, so why are we... Do you have a... Do you have like, to... like, like Santa Vittoria. <laughs> Uh, why are we obsessed with water stories on Mars? Are we, though? <laughs> yeah, that's like... I'm not. That's my question as well. Yeah. Like, do we... Who I is? Care. Does anyone... Mm? Kind of like, like yeah, low-key, yeah. Bit. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cautiously hedging your bets. I hate to be bets. like the only guy with glasses on the panel, but yeah, I'm fucking interested in Mars. <laughs> but why? Yeah, it's fucking cool. There might be life up there. Are you fucking serious? But if... If you can find the water, would you not have found the Martian that drinks from the we water? We don't know, Rosie! That's why it's interesting! <laughs> I just like the idea that Martians are going to be doing satellite crosses to sunrise yeah. going, no, nah, no water here. Yeah. Definitely not. Def- you definitely don't want to come here. Oh. oh, no. What was that? A splash? No, definitely not a splash. Don't come here. What do you think the first thing is, uh, humans are going to do if they get to Mars and see water? Ask Elon Musk to leave. (laughs) Jet ski. (laughs) This is Irrational Fear, the world's most Walkley Award-losing podcast. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Rosie Waterland. Me! I went first this time. And look, I'm pulling this out from under my butt. Last time I did this podcast, I didn't write anything. I just turned up and winged it. (laughs) Um... And everyone else had written, like, oh, someone thought that was really funny. <laughs> Thanks, fellow underachiever. Um, and Lewis and Jazz Twemlow, one of the writers of Tonightly, had both written about six pages each. And I was just like, lol, Daily Mail sidebar of shame. <laughs> um, just, so just two will do. I prepared this time. Jan Fran didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was hoping to just, like, wing it, but just occasionally look down at the paper while I was doing it. But nice one. Thanks, Rosie. So welcome. We've actually got Jane Carroll out there. I think she's prepared. (laughs) Hashtag Jane Carroll for life. Um, All right. I've got a little story to tell you, my friends. It includes Disney romance-themed voyeurism, 
bitter doxing, harassment of women, or inspiring technology and viral hunting skills at the highest level. A retired soccer star, Monica Lewinsky and Mr. Dan Illich all make an appearance. And yes, people look at me weird when I call him Dan Illich, but I met him in the one week he decided to be progressive and shake off his anglicised roots, bravely changing his name from Illich back to the original foreign-sounding Illich. Thanks to you and Osher Gunsberg, this country has truly embraced and welcomed all people with foreign-sounding names. I'm just trying to make well, sure I still have a place people, on the ABC. Just, just quietly. Yeah, the white men. <laughs> I salute you both for your heroism. The protagonist of this little story is a woman who reached the highest of viral fame highs and the lowest of public shaming lows, all within a few exciting, tragic days. That woman's name is Rosie Blair, and this is the story of Plain Bay. It all starts with Rosie and her boyfriend boarding a plane from New York to Dallas. Her boyfriend's name doesn't matter in this whole affair, even though he played an equal part in the proceedings to Rosie because he's a man, and therefore, according to the internet, not as culpable nor as deserving of blame as the lady who we can punish by calling her fat and demanding she be assaulted. Now, Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend had been given separate seats, so they asked a kind young lady if she would switch with one of them, and she was a better person than me, so she agreed. Upon changing seats, Rosie jokingly said to the lady, maybe you'll meet the love of your life. And they all laughed and laughed and that was the end and nobody ended up getting rape threats on the internet. <laughs> Soon, a very, very attractive young man came and sat down next to the young lady. Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend were sitting directly behind them and this is when Rosie's millennial brain sensed an opportunity that young people want more than they want to win the lotto, viral fame. It was like the inside of Rosie's brain was what the Terminator sees when looking at the world. She scans everything like a computer until her lasers zone in on a, zone in on a story BuzzFeed might like. <laughs> Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend purchased online plane Wi-Fi and started live tweeting what they hoped would be the viral love story of our time, but mostly lots of fame for them. They told everyone about Rosie's hilarious maybe you'll meet the love of your life joke because if Rosie was going to be famous, they needed to start showing off her skills ASAP. Then they started taking photos of the backs of the heads of the guy and girl in front of them who had started having a friendly chat. Then they proceeded to tweet every innocuous moment between the couple who had just met, but with their own commentary that framed the whole thing as a love story. MG, they're totally flirting. Hashtag catching planes and love. Stop it right now. They both love fitness. Hashtag catching planes and love. Here is a photo of their elbows touching. They're definitely going to have babies. Hashtag plane bay. Hashtag we changed the hashtag to plane bay because it's more marketable and easy to remember. It was at this point that Mr. Dan Illich, that's Illich because he's brave, tagged me so I would see the unfolding tweet thread. He assumed, given my penchant for all things pop culture and viral, that I would love the whole thing, which I fucking did. I jumped on that bandwagon and retweeted that shit faster than you can say this is all going to end badly. And I'm not ashamed because at this stage it was still relatively sweet, I think. And I, I think harmless because there was no way to identify who the two people were. Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend were posting photos of them from behind, but every time even a tiny bit of their faces were showing, they would block it out of the photo. So even though we were eavesdropping on a pure moment of love and joy, nobody was getting hurt at this stage. And that's what it felt like, pure. Everybody is just so desperate for pure and joyful content online these days. There's nothing like a video of a golden retriever snoring on your Twitter timeline when every tweet surrounding it is about the world being a garbage fire that you can only escape if you're willing to jump into a pit filled with used syringes. <laughs> Pure and joyful moments on Twitter are like the mirage in the desert, the oasis in the middle of hell, the bar at a live podcast recording. <laughs> so I don't blame people for wanting hashtag paint plain bay to be a thing. I did. But of course, just like Grant Denyer proved when he won the Gold Logie as part of a boys club joke over two incredibly talented female legends who devoted years to the industry, human beings cannot be trusted to have nice things. <laughs> 
Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend's tweets started to get a little problematic. They made jokes about the two people going to the bathroom at the same time. Wink. And they started tweeting more and more photos of the couple that didn't make that much of an effort to cover their faces. They even started to secretly film the couple to try and share snippets of their conversation or catch them touching arms, which when you're squished together on a plane is definitely a sign of true love. Then, completely drunk with viral fame power, Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend landed in Dallas and followed the couple to baggage claim, filming them the whole way. And when they got home and saw that millions of people had been caught up in the hashtag plane Bay saga, they went next level viral crazy. Rosie hunted down the man on Instagram based off a photo she had taken of his phone while he was looking at his Instagram. Then she <laughs> shared that information with all of her new fans. The guy in question is an ex-soccer player slash trying to be a male model, so once somebody informed him that he had been stalked on a plane and was now viral famous, he immediately jumped on board. Rosie, her equally culpable boyfriend and the now in on it hashtag plane based slash male model started doing the media rounds. They appeared on the Today Show and various other chat programs with hashtag playbay hinting that he had indeed found romance but never actually confirming it even replying when asked what happened when they both went to the bathroom. A gentleman never tells. Wink. Creep. <laughs> Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend realised that they may be able to turn this viral fame into actual fame and started desperately tweeting at places like BuzzFeed and Ellen asking for jobs. Rosie started plugging a lot of her other work online, which seemed to consist of links to her Instagram and Facebook accounts. The Plain Bay guy changed his social media handles to Plain Bay and kept posting photos indicating that his newfound love was just out of shot. And that's when people who weren't bothered by the whole thing from the beginning started to turn because where was the anonymous girl who was just out of shot? Turns out she had shut down all her social media accounts after being tracked down, called a whore and a slut, and having her personal details shared online. And who encouraged people to find this woman? It was Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend. When the story started to wane and the next viral sensation looked like it would knock them off the top spot at any moment, they freaked out, started telling people to track her down so she would add to the story. Rosie said, and I quote, and I quote, so we don't have this gal's permission yet, but you guys are sneaky. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll find her. <laughs> Wink. Turns out they didn't have this woman's permission because she didn't want to give it to them. As hard as, as, hard as it is for the Rosies and ex-soccer star plane bays of the world, not everybody is interested in viral fame. And this woman definitely wasn't. She was uncomfortable, unwilling to share her details, but trying to be kind enough to let these guys have their moment in the internet sun. She put up with it for them until Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend actively encouraged people to track her down. Rosie's Terminator brain was malfunctioning. She had stopped seeing people as human beings and started seeing them only as viral opportunities and possible copywriting jobs at BuzzFeed. <laughs> I, like most people who had retweeted the hashtag plain bathing and then moved on, had no idea that any of this had happened. I blame Dan for getting me in on it. In my naive brain, desperate for lovely stories, I imagined that they did go on to fall in love and that nobody ever knew who they were and no woman was ever harassed, called a slut and accused of joining the Mile High Club with a guy she'd just met in a bathroom. It took Monica Lewinsky... I'm not sure if you've heard of her. She was the uh, <laughs> wonderkind university graduate who landed an internship at the most powerful political office in the world at just 22. And now, too, is the world speaking to and inspiring women about how to thrive in the face of adversity. It was Monica Lewinsky who tweeted out that she had also been initially sucked in by the Plain Bay saga, but now regretted it as she realised how inappropriate it was to share that much information about another person without their consent. I then did a deep dive on Twitter, saw how horrifyingly things had turned out for the woman involved, and immediately started to hate Rosie, her equally culpable boyfriend, and Plain Bay for being such knob clouds. The poor woman in question eventually released a statement through a lawyer, saying all she'd done was have a friendly chat to a man on a plane, which resulted in her being filmed and photographed without her permission, tracked down against her wishes and viciously harassed to the point where she had to completely erase her entire online presence. All because Rosie and her equally culpable boyfriend saw the opportunity to get on Ellen. 
Rosie then went on to be completely vilified herself online. People turned against her with astonishing speed, myself included, but she didn't do herself any favours, to be fair. She continued to push out the story and would just delete tweets that accused her of ruining another woman's life. She was, being a woman, also threatened with rape and targeted for her physical appearance. Her equally culpable boyfriend and the plain bay slash male model quietly snuck out stage left with no obvious ramifications for either. But that's the nature of the internet, whether you're the one in the wrong or the one who gets screwed over, if you're a woman, you'll definitely be called a slut and threatened with rape. So what is my rational fear here, Daniel? Daniel Mm. Illich. Mm. There's so many to choose from that I honestly don't know. This was such a clusterfuck of a situation that you could pick any number of nightmare scenarios to avoid. I suppose my biggest fear, though, given how much I love the Daily Mail sidebar of shame, is that I could lose all sense of my humanity at some point and have my brain turn into a Terminator brain that is purely wired to sense and track down viral fame opportunities. And none of us are above it, really. Every time you see a fight in McDonald's on the news or a building fire or a clip of Beyonce falling down on stage... Someone saw that moment and immediately pulled out their phone to film it (laughs) because all our brains are slowly turning into Terminator brains and maybe we just escaped it because of our age, but the next generation are pretty much fucked. My four-year-old nephew can't even read, but he knows exactly how to find what he wants on YouTube. He is doomed. And just when Rosie made us think that there might be hope in being humble... She finally issued an apology to the woman she had harmed, but it ended with the offer of my creative services, saying that when the woman is ready to tell her story to the world, the story that she's only a part of because Rosie forced it on her, Rosie would be willing to write the screenplay. Rosie's Terminator brain may have been pushed down into the fiery molten steel, but it's already regenerating. Rosie will be back. (laughs) Rosie Wyland! You know, Rosanna, yes. if I may. Yes, um, you may. Uh, <laughs> Rosie's, Rosie's... My boyfriend loves boy, that. <laughs> you know that's my real name, yes? <laughs> and... True story, you're actually named after the Toto song. I know I am. I'm named after the Toto song, Rosanna. And my older sister is named after Rhiannon, so... So good. My mum's super hip sex worker. Yeah, she... she, she Hangs on Air Force One. Yeah, she met Fleetwood Mac there. It was wild. Yeah. It was amazing. Now, at the point when I t- tagged you in that tweet... Yes. Uh, it was still sweet. It was still sweet. And I... Two people were going to fall in love and have babies. Oh, no, they weren't. They yes, weren't, but they uh, were. No, they weren't. They were two strangers on a plane. At that point, you were complicit. <laughs> and uh, I felt like Their it was... Their faces were covered then. I, w- I was wrapped in the story. And Me I like, too. I was like, tag Rosie, retweet, moving on with my dad. And it felt... It felt harmless because there was absolutely no way of knowing who they were at that and, point. They the were completely first... covered, and I was like, okay, so it's just they're just tweeting a few cute things about maybe they'll possibly fall in love. And that's all I saw of it, and then I moved on too. And then I immediately got a reply after I retweeted it from Julia Zemiro, who said... Oh, did you? This I... makes me feel sick. And I was like, you're crazy, Julia. What could oh. go wrong? <laughs> and I'll say it in French. Yeah. <laughs> this makes me feel there. Uh, but you know what? Like, I think, like, shares and likes and, t- and retweets, um, they sort of do something to a person's brain, right? Yes. Like, I, I don't use Twitter because I value my fucking sanity, okay? But I did, I got up in the morning and I did this thing where I went, 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 on, went on Facebook and I saw something that made me really fucking mad and so I decided to screenshot it and I tweeted it, right? Then I went and had a shower and I came back and there were all these retweets and I thought, like, either I've done something really bad <laughs> or that sex tape is out or I've done I've said something great and you know people were kind of really getting on board with this tweet and I got into the office and my boss was like Jan and he kind of walked over to the desk and he's like Jan that tweet is in contempt of court (laughs) and my instant reaction was like yeah. <laughs> but look how many like, likes it got. Yeah, I was like, and then I had this secondary kind of reaction of like, fuck, 
all that engagement, man. And I said, look at the retweets, Mike. And he's like, you have to delete that tweet. What a jury of my peers have decided that it is a hot tweet. Yeah, but an actual jury is going to decide that you're going to jail. So, a delete it. It does, though. I it does something to people's brains. It turns them into Terminator brains. I like that you might end up in Goulburn jail. What do you win for? Murder. What do you win yeah. for? Tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, was it that bad? It's like, mm, it was a crime. <laughs> now, Struthless and Rosie, you guys largely build your, uh, your audience and your empires online. Mm, our empires. Your empires, your empires. <laughs> Stay humble. Stay humble. <laughs> How do you learn to kind of keep some of you for you and what do you give to the audience? I don't. I've just <laughs> fully, fully decided to cross over into cyberspace. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm not worth that much. I'll be, I'll be the internet's boy. What are your DMs like? They must be hectic. Whatever you expect, times ten. Yeah. <laughs> Just, um, they, they come hard and fast and very weird. Uh, I wish I had an example. I'll, I'll blurt it out <laughs> later. Um, I mean, I'm not... I, I never cultivated my online following. It came about purely because I wrote about The Bachelor for a while. And that was really popular and then I got all these followers. But I don't really know what to do with it. And now all Just these give people... them to me. Well <laughs> I could really use Now some, to I be don't honest. I haven't written about The Bachelor for years and all I post is pictures of my nephew and but they're all still there following, so hmm. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with it. Just expecting that he might be the bachelor in fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> it's sick though, he's four years old and my sister has caught him with her phone, filming himself, going, hey guys, Muhammad here, just in my bedroom, just gonna show you guys some of my toys, I'm so glad that my fans are watching this, like, and she's like, what fans? He doesn't, like, but this is what kids aspire to now, he doesn't really understand what he's doing, he just knows that that's what he should film when he gets a phone. Yeah. Uh, I, when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was make jokes on TV, and now I've done it, the industry's fallen out, so... <laughs> It's really bad. It's really bad. Just show people your toys, Dan. Like, that's what you need. <laughs> A rational fear. Synergizing politicians' reputation since 2012. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Struthless. <laughs> Hello, everybody. All right, so today, instead of one news story, I kind of want to talk about two news stories. Uh, they broke on the same day, July the 6th, and structurally, I find them pretty much identical. However... Their reception could not differ more. Basically, it's the Led Zeppelin and Wolf Mother of news stories. <laughs> um, so yeah, news story one was heralded as the feel-good news story we uh, uh, feel-good news story of the week, and news story two pissed off so many people that it pissed off the Prime Minister of New Zealand. All right, let's go into the news stories. News story one goes like this: A couple of poachers decide to go to South Africa to kill some rhinos and harvest their horns. You guys heard about this? Sweet, I've always wanted to say that. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for them, their plans were stopped when some lions had the other idea of killing and eating the poachers. <laughs> Colosseum shit right there. <laughs> now, I would feel sympathy for the poachers and their families, but in the words of another great lion, sorry, bro, it's the circle of life. <laughs> As you can imagine, the reception to this news story was overwhelmingly positive. To double-check this, I decided to read all 610 Facebook comments on the News.com article. Now, I don't know if you've ever wanted to ruin your day, but reading, <laughs> but reading Facebook comments on a News.com article is probably the most efficient method. <laughs> and yet, all 610 comments were positive. Literally not one complaint. The comments read something like this. Best news I've heard all week. Serves them right. Ha-ha, lol. <laughs> Even Kathy from Toowoomba said, that's karma, bitch. <laughs> Sassy Kathy. Sassy Kathy. <laughs> Wine this fool, am I right? Um, <laughs> RSL pause for Kathy. Right on. Okay, so that's <laughs> that's news story one. Let's go to news story two. Now this is this is not an uh, this is not a large headline. In fact, it's underwhelming and extremely forgettable. Get ready. <laughs> Air New Zealand on their flight from Auckland to Los Angeles exclusively to business class customers, have placed an extra menu item of plant-based beef. Crickets. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a really boring headline, right? Now, this headline would not have made the news cycle except for one thing. Like I said, it pissed off the Prime Minister of New Zealand. And just for the record, I'm not talking about Jacinda Ardern. I'm talking about the bloke who's stepping in while she's on maternity leave. A guy named Winston Peters. And Winston Peters... Yeah, right? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Winston Peters had this to say. I am utterly opposed to fake beef. Air New Zealand has posed an existential threat to Kiwi farmers. <laughs> Now, I'm no philosopher, Mr. Peters, but I'm pretty sure the only ones having their existence threatened are our bovine brothers and sisters. That's right, audience, I'm one of those freaks who cares about cows. <laughs> As you can imagine, the comments on social media were not unanimously positive. It was pretty much 70% vegan bashing and typos. <laughs> A guy named Clint said, political correctness is ruining everything he loves. Well, Clint, I have two things to say about that. One, don't politicise the death of animals. And two, never trust a guy called Clint. That's rule number one in life. If your parents didn't teach you that, they were probably both called Clint. So, those are our two news stories. Let's review their structural similarity. Both of them have an animal, a rhino and a cow. And both of these animals are seen as commodities by certain groups of people, poachers and the meat industry. And both of these groups of people are, yes, on a mission of murder. <laughs> but in both stories, an external force comes and saves the animals. Lions eat the poachers, or an airline undermines the entire beef industry of New Zealand. <laughs> Basically, these two news stories are really great. So why am I talking about them on a show called Irrational Fear? Because my rational fear lies in the double standard. The fact is, the world will lose their mind over the death of a single rhino, but since I started this speech, 1,500 cows have died solely for our taste buds, and people get really pissed off when you suggest that we should kill less of them. Now, yeah, vegan claps. All right. <laughs> they were very tepid and weak. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fucking, not enough B12. Not enough B12. I get it, I get it. <laughs> I, I, I think they fainted yeah. after that. <laughs> Can we get a cow in here? <laughs> now look, look, I'm not blind to the difference. The rhino is going extinct and the cow is an abundant creature. But what we might be blind to is the fact that this abundance of cows is actually the leading cause of the species extinction. On top of that, this double stand is also the leading cause of climate change, ocean dead zones, deforestation and me sounding like a preachy bitch. <laughs> Do you think I want to sound like this? Kathy would love it. Kathy loves me. <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> now, I'm not trying to shame anybody into a living a more ethical life. I'm just trying to tell you what I'm terrified of. But also, what I want to tell you is that the world's moving forward. And despite my fear, we got three really great things from this month in the news. We got a pissed-off politician, we got a corporate recognition for sustainability, and yes, we got a few dead poachers. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's a really compelling. You know, Winston um, Peters came out to say that Australia should uh, fuck off and get our own flag because apparently, <laughs> apparently Australia stole New Zealand's flag. I feel like we all stole Papua New Guinea's flag, really. Let's face it, Australia stole a lot of things. <laughs> Thanks for that. All right, now, look, um, uh, uh, oh, I didn't know what I was going to say. That's fine. There's no one here. Yeah. <laughs> Should be a problem down. Take your time. It's no audience. I have someone bring me a glass of wine on stage. Yep. It's, it's yep. whatever goes. That's fine. Should we take a moment for a drink? No, no. I'm <laughs> <laughs> hey, th by the way, this was Truthless's first time doing live stuff on stage. Yeah! And... This is, like, the first time I've ever actually met Struthless. Like, we just arranged this over Instagram. It can happen to you. <laughs> this is, like, a really positive, plane-based story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wait for the twist. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't one. That was a joke, so... I'm going to milkshake duck you so fast. <laughs> you don't even know. I'll find it. Irrational Fear, the only show hosted by a man not to get a pilot from Channel 10. Irrational Fear. Your fear is rational. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jan Friend. Hey, thanks everybody. Um, now I'm having deep regrets about not actually scripting something, so fuck you, Struthless. 
Um, this is, look, this is, I'm going to treat this as a bit of a therapy session for me, one, because I can't actually see you, and two, um, because it's free. And shrinks, I've come to realise, are very expensive. <laughs> Um, so this is a story about how I got PTSD um, from the Daily Telegraph. Um, and it's actually, it's actually really fucking true. And it, it's also a story about how that experience has given me this really amazing talent of now being able to predict which next generation of people is going to get PTSD in the future. So this is absolutely true. Um, it all started, I only discovered this very recently, mind you. Uh, it all started a couple of uh, months ago when I was uh, looking at an article online and the headline was something like, ethnic gangs run rampage. And my initial gut reaction, um, this is a deeply unfunny story, by the way, but my, my initial gut reaction, right, was I, to, my, my chest, like, immediately tightened. I didn't, it wasn't, it was even before my brain had actually registered what was going on, right? I felt this tightness in my chest. And the first thing I thought was like, oh, fuck, no, what's happened? And I read on, and I realised that they're talking about Sudanese gangs. And I had another instantaneous reaction, which was like, yes. Like, I kicked over a neighbourhood bin. That was how excited I was, that it was Sudanese gangs running rampage around Melbourne and not Lebanese gangs <laughs> running rampage around Sydney. <laughs> Because for a period of about six years in the late 90s, early 2000s, Lebanese gangs, God bless them, the Lebanese, they're lovely people, I'm one of them, um, ran rampage around Sydney. There was a lot of crime, there was a lot of violence, and there was a lot of headlines. I just want to read for you a couple of my favourite that I've pinged out from spending the last uh, couple of hours on Factiva, which um, you mentioned a good way to ruin your day. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about news.com.au comments. Spend a day and a half on Factiva looking at headlines of the Lebanese in the late 90s. Like, whoo! Anyway, here we go. Just a couple. Let's not overlook the race factor. It's not a race war. Ignoring the race factor does not help. In caps lock, courtesy of the Daily Telly, boys in the hood. This is an ugly clash of cultures, cultural crossfire. Do not turn a blind eye to terror in our midst. Banks down when no one is safe from fear. Ethnic gangs are a fact. Ethnic gangs battling for control over Sydney's streets. Ethnic gangs blamed for Sydney's crime. Surrendering our, Sydney to, our city to hooligans. Ethnic criminal gangs out of control. Coming to grips with the Lebanese problem in Australia. My Lebanese nephew, Muhammad better stop putting his toys on YouTube. He's going to get arrested. You know, those Shit. Lebanese gangs in the 90s might go ahead and start, like, podcasts in inner city Sydney. It's funny, because I think now they're all kind of just, like, lawyers and dads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, their pants are worn a little bit higher and they've cut off the rat's tail and it's sort of fine. But we all had to go through that. Anyway... This, this does something to a person, right? Like, for about six years, you feel... I mean, you feel obvious pride in your culture, but you also feel a kind of a distinct sense of shame. So sometimes people would say to me, oh, you're Lebanese, and I'd have to say, yeah, I'm, like, where Aladdin's from. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, someone might approach me and say, oh, um, are, you, are, you, are you Spanish? And I would say, yes. <laughs> or, si. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there, was, there was a time at university where, you know, it was, uh, I think it was my, my, my first year or it was like the first semester of a particular class and you go around and people introduce themselves, right? And for some forsaken reason, the lecturer was like, I'd like you all to introduce yourself and tell us where in Sydney you come from. And I was like, oh! And so we're going around the, ta the table and everybody's introducing themselves and it gets to me and I feel this immediate flush in my face. I turn completely red and I'm about to say Bankstown because that is where I'm from. Remember, this was like the early, 90, the, the, the early 2000s. And I say, I'm from Bankstown. <laughs> and she's like, Bankstown. And I'm like, yeah, it's in Queensland. <laughs> 
Banks tune. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, next to Toonsville. Yeah. yeah. Next to Toon, Toon Woomba. Yes, that's, that is, that's where I'm from. I'm from where Aladdin. <laughs> he's also a Toon. <laughs> yeah, he's from Banks Toon. That's where he's from. My nephew from Bankstown really is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, girl, you know, I think the worst is over for, for them. Well, his think. name's Muhammad. So no, you're I right. He is fucked. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, so it does something to a person, right? And I think, I think it makes you sort of walk through this world with your head just slightly lowered. But about 20 years later, which is today... Uh, or, 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 you know, some months ago anyway, I discover actually just how much this whole thing really affected me. And the way I discovered it was that day in my house, on my laptop, perusing the news like it was nothing else. I hadn't heard about ethnic crime with the Lebanese in years. And it was something that I thought had disappeared. And I see those two words in that headline and my chest gets tight until I realise it's about the Sudanese and I feel a mixture of relief and a mixture of great guilt and then I also feel a mixture of despondency for the future because in about 20 years, you're going to have a Sudanese person sitting at, I don't know what the future machine of a laptop's going to be called, it's probably going to be in their wrist somewhere and they're going to be perusing the news and it's going to be Channel 9 and Fairfax, because that's the only <laughs> conglomerate that exists in the future. <laughs> and they're going to see the term ethnic crime and gangs running rampage, and they're going to feel a real tightness in their chest. And that is my rational fear. Thank you, Jam. <laughs> I'm, I'm part Lebanese too, and um, our crime gang leader is in the audience, my mum. Uh, and I can tell you, around Easter time, our Lebanese gang makes the fiercest pies you'll ever eat. It's pretty gnarly, let me tell you. You don't want to be, you don't want to be, unless you, yeah, if no you're hungry, doubt. don't come nearby. I heard you were like a selection of miscellaneous wog, though. I am, yes, yes. I'm Lebanese, Lebanese, Italian, Serbian. Sort of mixed platter. I'm a continental deli. Uh, isn't, that, isn't that right? Obviously, We're, since he started calling himself Illich. <laughs> Look, I'm only saying that because, you know, uh, I, I need to keep no, my I job. No, I love the, that you do. I, just, I think it's good. It's a way to keep my job at the ABC, too. <laughs> Let's <laughs> Oh, look, okay, let's have a look at this. Chinese, Vietnamese, Lebanese, now miscellaneous, and then miscellaneous wogs in general. Now it's African gangs. Who is the next ethnic group to get it? Who is the next ethnic group to be pilloried by the Australian media? White dudes. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do actually roam in gangs. We're, we are out. <laughs> We're very afraid of everyone else. <laughs> I feel like the it's I feel like the South Asians have gotten off lightly here. <laughs> like I had to put up with shit for six years. It was None so, of y'all had yeah. to put up with it. Because I grew up in Victoria and in country Victoria, which is why um, I'd never seen anyone who looked like you before. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, I'm Spanish. <laughs> But it was so weird because there, there aren't there are far fewer Lebanese people in Victoria than in in Sydney, and uh, and so we never and we don't get the Daily Telegraph, which is why we're not the worst. And um, <laughs> so it it was like a real shock to me by the time I got here as an adult, and everyone was like, "Oh, geez, a, a Lebanese problem." I'm like, "The Lebanese, the Lebanese are a fucking delight, and everyone loves them." And they're like, "Oh no, no, man, you should have seen it in the '90s." It was I remember when, yeah. when John Oliver came out. John Oliver came out to Australia to do that the report on guns with John Howard for the. Daily Show, and uh, he was doing vox pops. He, he told this story on the bugle. He was doing vox pops with people, and somebody said, "Well, it's not. Uh, you don't have to worry about guns here, except for those Lebanese." He was just like, "What? What can a country of twelve million people do? Like, how many? How many Lebanese are in Sydney? So you could I fit all of Lebanon into Sydney, and it wouldn't be a problem." My uh, my nephew Muhammad turned up at my house with a Nerf gun today, so I don't know. Where... Although I did do kick, but I used to do kickboxing at Bankstown PCYC in 2004. Um, I'm, fuck, I'm hardcore. You're a bang, danger. Bang, and, and I got most improved. Um, 
I think um, Jane Lebanese Carrow was girl. actually the best, I think. Lebanese girl turns herself into physical weapon. Yeah, but hold up, hold up. It's funny because I'm always like, you know what? Stop shitting on Bagstown, stop shitting on the crime. But I was, was, I was doing um, kickboxing at the PCYC there. And um, one of our trainers went to jail because he stabbed someone at Fitness First. I just... And I was like, when, when that happened, sorry, Lou, when, when that happened, I came in and I said, you know, where, where, where's Mo? And somebody said, oh, he, oh he's in jail because he stabbed someone at Fitness First. <laughs> Fuck. Oh. That was my thing. I was like, really? Yeah, you stab the person who tries to get you to join fitness first. <laughs> this is a rational fear, or as will be known after the merger, this a rational fear, W2F dollop. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Lewis Hobber. Are we all doing it sitting down? This is not a conversation for the podcast, but everyone's sitting down. Oh, you can stand, you well, can take no, a floor. I stand, but then now I feel weird. Now, feels head, like, now it feels aggressive. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say hello. I like to move. Hey. <laughs> and with moves like that, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Can um, you believe this man is only on radio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we've already mentioned the merger yesterday. Unbelievable, Rosie, right in front of my moment. <laughs> Excuse me, it was Struthless, whose first time live on stage is right now, and I just pulled it up. So. Actually, I just stole her phone and put it back <laughs> in my pocket. So. Um, are you from Bankstown? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about the merger that was already mentioned, um, because it's Friday night, and I'm ready for some fucking merger gear. Mm. Anyone else looking to do some merging tonight? All right. Who's with me? I am clear. <laughs> this, this sounds like a very bad Bert in Logie's bit. <laughs> now, yesterday a huge deal was announced. Fairfax agreed to merge with Nine. And there is a good chance that you don't care at all about that. Um, because why would you? But it was a huge story on all the networks. Because for people who work in the news, there's nothing more interesting than news about the news. But for the rest of the country, no news about news news is even better news than good news. I think we've all heard the old saying. But people were very emotional about the merger. Some called it a dark day. Others called it a bad day. But Fairfax journalists are so used to eating shit served to them by management, they just called it my day on a plate. <laughs> the merger probably won't mean much for Channel 9, unless this whole thing was just a weird billion-dollar ploy to poach Elizabeth Farrelly to be a judge on The Voice. But it might have massive effects for news in this country. Thousands of Fairfax journalists have been made redundant in recent years. Channel 9 probably would fire journalists too, but since Laurie Oakes retired, they don't have any on staff. <laughs> no one really knows what's going to happen from here. One thing we do know is that the Fairfax name will no longer exist. Everything is going to be under the name 9. But the CEO of Fairfax, Greg Highwood, put it a bit differently. He said, quote, Fairfax will exist. It will just be 100% a subsidiary of nine. <laughs> Which raises almost a, a metaphysical question about Fairfax's existence. It's a bit like um, the classic quandary of the ship of Theseus. Anyone a fan of the <laughs> one ship of Theseus fan in the room? All right. Only at a fucking rational fear show. Yes. That's why I keep coming back. For you. You and me, let's go to find the water on Mars. Woo! Uh, if you've not heard of the ship of Theseus, it's a question that asks if a ship is in harbour and it rots piece by piece and you slowly replace the ship and you eventually have replaced the ship entirely, is it still the same ship? Hmm. Ah. Yeah. No answers? Yeah. Uh, but of course on the good ship Fairfax, as each part of the ship was stripped away, it wasn't replaced. So it just got heaps of holes and started to sink. And eventually it was sinking so fast that the ship's captain, CEO Greg Highwood, abandoned the ship and took a multi-million dollar payout while the rest of his crew drowned. <laughs> yes. Philosophy joke. <laughs> we did it! We did it! Uh, while we are on um, Fairfax CEO Greg Highwood, I don't know him, he might be lovely, but from the outside, 
He handled the announcement with a touch as deft as a teenager fingering for the first time. <laughs> the man... So vivid. <laughs> Jan, I think I've got PTSD from this. <laughs> The man who, do, who has overseen the end of hundreds of journalists' career fronted his staff, who knew he was getting a multi-million dollar payout from this deal, with this joke. Well, the shoe's on the other foot. I'm announcing my redundancy for a change. Oh, did he? Was that real? Oh, what a dick. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest of his statement ended a 177-year-old tradition of some of the country's finest writing with some of the worst. This will forever be the final epitaph of Fairfax. I would like to thank everyone for their contribution to Fairfax. <laughs> it's like he got out his phone and typed I and then just hit the, <laughs> hit the predicted text thing. Until he just assembled this weird, completely unpoignant farewell. And it was like, it was like the number one least poignant farewell in the history of bland corporate human emotion evasion. It was fucked. I mean, I've, I've actually heard more gratitude from people that I've lent a pen to. <laughs> Seriously, man, thank you. Actually, you're welcome. I think he probably made journalists um, feel much more enthusiastic about the future with his final quote, though. Fairfax Media will always have a place in Australian media history. <laughs> Who's having fun? All right. <laughs> it's pretty easy to think, like, who cares? Sure, it's always sad for a company to have to fire people, but at the end of the day... Does this really matter? For plenty of people, the best bit of Fairfax was the Good Weekend quiz, and that's very easily turned into a nine TV show hosted by Grant Denyer. <laughs> Although it is 25 questions long. If Grant's going to do it, it'll need to be shorter. <laughs> it's not even a joke. It just, you just put the word Grant and short in a sentence and people laugh. I fucking love it. Uh, oh, I'm so lazy. But the reality is that without Fairfax, even in recent years, we probably would have no Royal Commission into banking, no takedown of Eddie O'Beat, no Royal Commission into sexual abuse without the incredible work from their regional papers and journalists. Jan Channel Fran wouldn't be in contempt of court. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Channel 9's flagship journalistic programs, of course, are A Current Affair and 60 Minutes. So... Once Fairfax team up with them, they're not so much going to be working with Four Corners to uncover sexual abuse, they'll be working with the ACA to uncover new ways to find great deals at Woolworths. <laughs> there will be some parts of Fairfax no one will miss if they go under, particularly for me, that weird travel section on the website. Like, are they just going to keep republishing the same story about how to get into business class? It doesn't work! <laughs> it doesn't work! actually really understands why Nine and Fairfax are getting together. A newspaper and a TV network merging is, it's a bit like when my granddad got remarried in his 80s. <laughs> it was so he had someone to spend time with while he slowly died. <laughs> it was actually quite cute, I was the ring bearer. Hopefully this won't be too bad. And, and while, yes, it will be sad for Fairfax to have to lose its famous motto, independent always, I personally can't wait to see their crest replaced with that courageous ode to integrity, a 100% subsidiary of nine. <laughs> Louis Hobart. You know, like, this, when that news broke, I had a moment where I realised, oh, no, now I've got a $15 a month subscription to Channel 9. <laughs> like, Look, just... uh, I'm a columnist for Channel 9. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, my first writing job out of uni was at Mamma Mia, where it was part of our training to be told how many lines we can take from another person's article without getting sued. <laughs> so I feel like I'm possibly a part of this problem and I'm going to sit back and let the rest of you take over. Rosie, I'm a commentator for Sky News. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, okay. Gotta pay the rent, babe. Gotta pay the rent. Uh, as uh, someone from Instagram... <laughs> <laughs> trifecta right here. <laughs> Truly the best quality on Irrational Fear. Uh, oh, I'd just like to say it's, it's, um, it's great schadenfreude. You know, I don't have a horse in the race, but I, I don't know, it's fun watching things die. <laughs> <laughs> You're a vegan, but just not for media companies. <laughs> Cruelty free and alive. extremely cruel. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Now, we are, we're going to try something new on the end of the show. This is the Irrational Fear Rapido, a quiz on the stories that we couldn't fit into the show today. So let's kick it off. Quick questions. Here we go. Fast money. Malcolm Turnbull has received some flack on Twitter today after eating a what with a what? After eating shit at the Longman by-election tomorrow? Yes. <laughs> this month, billionaire Elon Musk tried to save what with what? The tarnished good name of pedophiles with a well-natured diver. <laughs> Europe is experiencing its hottest summer in 150 years because... Climate change! <laughs> Why did newsreader Leland Chin resign from SBS? Because she's a celebrity. <laughs> Name one thing Australian Hannah Gatsby, uh, Australian comedian Hannah Gatsby is no longer planning to do. Give John Farnham any shit. <laughs> Name one thing American comedian Trevor Noah is refusing to do. White chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Super Saturday is this weekend. It is named because... Oh, it's catchier than Swing State Saturday. There oh, we go. Very good. Excellent. Is it though? <laughs> Secret recordings have surfaced from Trump's former lawyer Michael Cohen reveal what? Absolutely nothing we didn't already know. And finally, Channel 10 could have commissioned one pilot with a successful Australian woman comedian named... Barry what? Humphreys. <laughs> Fear before we go, here's some fears you should be scared about next week. After acquiring Fairfax and getting uh, the hot new Channel 9 show, Eddie Maguire reads the answers to the cryptic crossword. And Australian crowdfunding page will raise millions of dollars to fund to keep Pauline Hanson on a European cruise for the rest of her life. And the cancelled ABC show, The Checkout, will miraculously be recommissioned, this time as a music-based panel quiz show hosted by Adam Hills. This is Irrational Fear. <laughs> For tonight, Struthless, Jan Fran, Rosanna Waterland, Lewis Hobber, DJ Diabolical on decks. Please thank the crew of Giant Dwarf here in Redfern. My name's Dan Illich, and until next month, Illich, my name is Dan Illich. <laughs> and until next month, there's always something to be scared of. Good night! Woo!